0: Well, let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter two. This morning, we're going to look at verses eight through twenty. Are you prepared for good news of great joy? Well, we find it in our text this morning. Please read along as I read aloud. Follow along, rather. And in the same region where the shepherd, where the uh, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph with the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that they had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the Word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God. We want to know His will. If we want to know His way. We must know His Word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this Word. We we thank you that the, the great historian, the Dr. Luke, recorded these words for us. They are true and right and good for our souls. They tell us something spectacular. May our hearts be opened wide this morning that we can receive this message with the same joy that the angels had at its first coming, we pray. Amen. You ever pay, pay close attention to those car commercials on, on TV? You see that beautiful new you know, Chevy or Audi or Range Rover, and you think, wow, that's a really nice car, but there's no way I could afford the monthly payment. And then they flash this payment like two ninety nine dollars or $3.99, and you think, wow, what good news. It's within my reach. And then you see this really small print pop up for about three seconds at the bottom. And because you've got a DVR, you hit pause. And then you wonder, I have an HDTV. Why is this stuff still so blurry? <laughs> I think they have a reason for that. And then you are able to read what it says. Down payment is $10,000. Annual mileage shall not exceed 2,000 miles. A vehicle depicted is not at all what you will get. <laughs> Must use burnt orange color from dealer inventory. And so you read the fine print, and you figure out this is just kind of a bogus deal, and so your joy turns to melancholy, you get back into your old hoopty, and you say, oh well, these ads are always too good to be true. In our passage this morning, the good news of Christmas is proclaimed. And not only is it not too good to be true, but it's the best news ever if it is true, and it is true. And there is no fine print, no hoops to jump through, no clause that limits the blessings to only a small select group of people. An angel appears from heaven to these lowly shepherds late at night and declares in verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The angel declares that this is good news. The Greek word translated here is translated into the English usually with, um, in one or two ways. One, it can be translated as we have here, good news, or the word gospel. The gospel literally is good news. The angel declares that it is the best news because it's, just, it's not just an ordinary joy. No, it's the greatest. It's a great joy. See, when properly uh, comprehended and received, this news is the greatest of all news that you or I could ever hear. You see, it is for us, too. As the angel said, this news is for all the people. And it must be the best news for us. How do we know? Because all of heaven is excited. Do you see that? What happened after telling the shepherd the good news? Look at verse 13 and 14. And suddenly, so there was just one angel on the ground telling the good news, and all of a sudden, out of heaven, suddenly there was, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Thousands of angels descend. They cannot control their joy. The angels are singing with fullness of love and devotion and delight in what God is now doing in that very moment for mankind, for us. Earlier, we sang the words that the angels sang, but of course, we sang them in Latin, right? Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest. You guys want to go back and sing that one again? And so in light of this, the challenge, listen, and the calling that we share this morning is this. Can we ponder afresh what took place that first Christmas? Soak it in, see our need, And see what God has done unto us, and respond with joyful praise. Seems like a lot to do in 30 minutes, but we're going to try. So this morning we're going to focus primarily on verse 11. So sorry I'm not really going to cover all the rest of the text very much. In there we see the joyful declaration of Christmas that, that the angel brought down into this world, and they all rejoiced over. The joyful declaration, the good news is this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's what we're going to focus on. We're going to split it into three areas. Um, First, the first part of the angel's declaration, this part opens our hearts to the reality that causes great joy. For unto you is born today. Notice the angel doesn't say, I have good tidings to declare for the world, but I'm not sure if you qualify. No, in verse 11, the angel says to the shepherd, I bring you good news. And then in verse 12, it says this good news is for unto you is born this day. The good news, this gospel from the lips of the angel is for you. It's personal. Listen, understand this. It matters not what your past was or your age or your status in this world. All you need, listen, is a sense of need. The good news of the birth of Christ was first delivered to shepherds. Think about that, shepherds. They're the truck drivers, uh, you know, or the the longshoremen of Jesus' day. They were not the the priests or the ruling Jewish Jewish ruling party. They were not Herod, the king of the Jews who was under Roman authority. They were not the self-righteous scribes or Pharisees. It was to shepherds that the angels appeared with the proclamation of a Savior to the world. This brings to light the spiritual truth that we see everywhere in the Bible. The things of God are often hid from the great and the noble and revealed to the disadvantaged and the poor. Which is why Jesus warned that it is easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Not that there aren't any rich men and women in heaven, but the problem is people insulate themselves with their wealth. And so they often... Fail to become poor in spirit. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's that sense of need outside of oneself that only God can do. Without spiritual poverty, you will not develop a spiritual thirst. So let me ask you, Are are you poor in spirit? Maybe you're like me. It's just kind of up and down, you know. Has God humbled you to the point where you know that you need him to come and to save you? These shepherds were certainly ready to hear and receive and obey and rejoice. Think about how much time shepherds have to just sit there and ponder, right? You know, they had no smartphones that they had to check every 68 seconds. Oh, I got another light. Wow. They had plenty of time to be still and to contemplate God. How about you? And, of course, these were Jewish shepherds. No doubt they talked about how dire the circumstances had become for God's people. Yes, they had returned to the promised land like 400 years earlier, but but the promised land had shrunk in size, and, and the rebuilt temple was nothing like the original one. And God's glory never returned to the newer temple. Add to that, the Roman Empire now ruled the whole entire world. Add to that, their own Jewish political leaders were in cahoots with the Romans. Add to that, their own Jewish religious leaders were fakes and frauds. There was much for them to lament over that night as they sat there watching over their flocks. These, this, these shepherds had much to mourn over. When, God, when? When will you send the one you've been promising for all of these years? Never in a million years would they have ever thought that they would be the first ones to hear. Until you is born, says the angel. This message means that the glad tidings, the good news, is the kind that comes to ordinary people like me and you. And guess what? I, I think we're all pretty much ordinary people. <laughs> Earlier, Melanie read Paul's words from 1 Corinthians. The church in Corinth had become prideful, and contentious, So Paul reminded them just who they were when they heard the gospel and they came to believe. He writes, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that why? So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification and redemption. What beautiful words. So that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul is saying, if you've come to believe, it's not because you are exemplary or morally superior than your neighbor. God chose you so that in Christ, God's power would transform you in sanctification and righteousness and redemption so that you could live more and more like Jesus Christ for God's glory. Paul says we must understand that if we're ever to boast, then we're to boast in the Lord because he's done this work. Last night, Joe Burrow won the highest honor in college football, the Heisman Trophy. And yes, I wrote this yesterday knowing he was gonna win. Sorry, Ohio State fans. Last spring, last spring, the Las Vegas oddsmakers makers said it would be impossible. 201 odds of him winning the Heisman. Not only did he did Burrow win the Heisman Trophy, but he won it by a record setting margin of votes. He was interviewed yesterday before he knew he won. And he was shown a recent clip of some expert who was now saying, now, he's going to win the Heisman. He's going to win it by a record number of votes. Burrow was asked what he thought about going from 201 odds to being the favorite. In his answer, listen, he boasted not in himself, but of all the talented players around him, and in the excellence of his coaching staff that poured into him and taught him how to be a better player. And I hope he had a chance to see his acceptance speech at the Heisman Trophy Awards. It was the best um, Heisman speech I had ever heard. It was raw, pure, joyful, full of gratitude, and mixed with a lot of tears. You know, there's something beautiful about humility. And, And it shouldn't surprise us. For we see it in Jesus, who left the glory of heaven itself and humbled himself by taking on human flesh and being born as a vulnerable baby. What are we to do with this information? Well, if you're here and you're still kind of kicking the tires of Christianity, think this through. God sent a messenger angel down from heaven to announce God's work of redemption is unto you. It's for you. You need not clean yourself up in order to receive him. The message of Christmas is simply a message that must be opened and received like a gift. And if you are a follower of Christ, how good is it to be reminded this morning that this is unto you? It's for you. The gospel is personal. So let's acknowledge our need. We have an ongoing need for this gospel, not just for the day you're saved. It's for every day of our lives. And we need to see that God has met this need in his son at that birth. So that's the first part of the good news. For unto you is born this day. Now let's turn to the middle part. which Where we read, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Do you know who was running the world at the time that Jesus was born in that little backwater town of Bethlehem? It was Caesar Augustus. He was a Roman emperor. And do you know at his birth, the same Greek words are recorded, that they announced a report of good news that a Savior was born into the world. The good news of Augustus' birth was trumpeted and shouted out by heralds all around the empire. But Jesus is a far different kind of Savior than any Roman emperor. He was not born in Rome. He was born in the tiny city of David in Bethlehem. And as you know, the entire Old Testament is full of signs and figures and shadows that, that point to the Savior to come. A Savior with a, with a capital S, a, a deliverer, that's a similar word. And, that, and one of the hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament said that, that, that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. The angel announces that, that, the, that the baby is in the city of David. And where do the shepherds go? They knew their Bible. They went to where? Bethlehem. They were wondering, though, when would this take place? The nation had been waiting a long time. Think about it. The faithful people of God. There was a small remnant of faithful people in the nation of Israel. And they've been crying out for this son to be born the one who will save his people, this longed-for Deliverer. And now the angel has spoken. He is here. He's born unto you, your Deliverer. What wonderful news. See, picture this. Up to that very day, the promised Savior was only a promise, a shadow, of something yet to come. But now, into the darkness of this world, light has dawned. Christmas has come. Finally, no more promises. No more prophecies, no more shadows of the Great One to come. No more types of saviors like David or Moses that point to Jesus. Now, now finally He is here. And one of the daily devotionals that we recommend to you, um, it's called Solid Joys by John Piper's Ministry. You can download the Solid Joys app. It's in the App Store. Uh, and you get a short but edifying devotional each and every day. Go ahead, you can do it right now. I trust you. You can you can multitask, right? Solid joys. This past week, John Piper gave a good illustration to describe what it is like for these shepherds to no longer have to look at prophecies or types or shadows of the Savior to come, but actually to look at Him in the eyes. Here's what he says. Listen, suppose you are a little kid and you and your mom get separated at the grocery store. Remember when that happened? You start to get scared and you don't know which way to go. And you run to the end of an aisle. And just before you start to cry, you see a shadow on the floor at the end of the aisle that looks just like your mom. It makes you really hopeful. But which is better? The hopefulness of seeing the shadow or having your mom step around the corner and it's really her? That was why the shepherds delighted and why they followed the angel's instructions to go to Bethlehem to find the baby. The shadow of the Savior had turned the corner. <clears throat> Finally, God's promised deliverer, a savior for the world, for all the people. It causes such joy in heaven that in a frenzy that it cannot be contained. The angels, they know they know what is happening. That tiny baby laying there, vulnerable, fragile, utterly dependent upon others, is none other than God in the flesh. The angels know what this means. They cannot contain themselves. This baby will grow up to be the deliverer. Question is this, do you know that you need a deliverer? A few years ago, a subway stop in the city had two movie posters right next to each other. The first poster was for the film, Extraordinary Measures, starring Harrison Ford. And um, the tagline for that film was, listen, don't hope for a miracle make one. Right next to it was the second poster for the film The Book of Eli starring Denzel Washington. It had the tagline Deliver Us. Both films represent two radically different approaches to life. Extraordinary Measure summarizes the approach to life most people have. Work hard. Make your own luck. Don't let anyone say you can't do it. Live your best life now. It's up to you. Nobody else can save you. In other words, if it's going to be true, it's up to you. That's the message we hear in the world. Essentially, this is you on your own, working out your own salvation, making your life just right. The tagline for Book of Eli summarizes the gospel, deliver us. The cry, deliver us, comes not from the mouths of the prideful, self-sufficient, those who think they're winning at life, making their own miracles. They have no need of deliverance. But for those who've come to see life with a spiritual clarity, there's a shepherd-like Hunger for, for something that seems far out of reach of mere mortals. And it creates a longing to be delivered. And not just be delivered to a slightly better version of your current reality. You plus a wealthier spouse. You minus 20 pounds. See, there's a type of person who has been humbled and now sees that even a wealthier spouse and a slim figure never ultimately satisfies. And so the truly wise person will bow in humility and say, I cannot save myself. Deliver me. The angel's words, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, must be pressed deep inside us. We do need a Savior because we do need to be delivered. This Advent season, let's take time to meditate upon the fact that the angels in heaven could not contain their joy at the birth of Jesus. Shortly, we're going to have a chance to sing with similar joy in our closing hymn. It's Who Would Have Dreamed. Beautiful song. The the chorus helps us cultivate uh, a wonder and an awe. In uh, hearts that overflow with with adoration and worship, it goes like this: and who would have dreamed, or ever foreseen, that we could hold God in our hands? The Giver of Life is born in the night, revealing God's glorious plan. What to save the world? And then Scott Hewitt goes in with the big drums. It's going to be great. Don't worry, Scott. I turned your drums up in the mix this morning. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Now for the last part of the good news. The angels delight that this child born unto us is a Savior, who is also Christ the Lord. Now the word Christ, it's not Jesus' last name, right? Jesus Christ. No, it's a title. The Greek word Christos and the Hebrew word uh, Mashiach means anointed. Aaron was anointed as the high priest for his service unto the Lord. Kings were anointed too. But this is an anointing with a capital A of which we read of in Psalm 2. Here we read, The kings of the earth have set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against Yahweh the Lord and against His anointed. For thousands of years, the nation of Israel has been waiting for this promised Messiah who would be The Lord, the Anointed One, the Meshuyak, the Christos. In John chapter 1, Jesus is gathering his disciples and he found Andrew, Peter's brother. And what does Andrew do? Andrew went and got Peter. And what did he say? We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Soon they would learn that Jesus wasn't only the Messiah for the Jews, but for the entire world. John chapter 4, a foreigner, a Samaritan woman, meets Jesus at the well. And I think you guys know the story. But Jesus digs deep into her soul, and he sets her free from her past. And, and, and she's, she says, well, I know the Christ is coming someday. She's just trying to push things back a little. And then Jesus drops the bomb, and he says to her, I who speak to you am he. And then what did she do? She did what? She ran back into that village full of people that despised her because of her previous life. And she became like that angel at Jesus' birth, making a proclamation. What does she say? Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ, the Messiah? Jesus was born unto us to be our Deliverer, who is none other than God's Anointed One, sent to set us free and to be our Lord. God has done this for us. Understand this. This is not our idea. None of us would have ever dreamed or ever foreseen that we could hold God in our hand. But that is what He has done Imagine how excited those angels were at that first Christmas. For thousands of years, angels were in heaven longing for God to bring his rescue. And now it has begun. Do you see why these angels were so giddy? They cannot control their joy. I don't know if they are able to, you know, high five or fist pump or anything. But but they couldn't control their joy. They had to rush down to be with that one angel to sing God's praises. Why are they so joyful? Well, it's not because they are the recipients. They're not. Listen, these angels have no idea what it's like to walk in darkness like you and me. They have no idea how hard it is to fight temptation. They have no idea what it's like to be rejected by one's fellow human beings. They've never experienced the pain of loss like us humans. But they rejoice nonetheless. Why? I think a couple reasons. First, because they know how how they know far better than we do how glorious God is. They know they know how worthy and loving and holy and pure and perfect and glorious He is. They know how wonderful it is to be in His presence at His right hand. Our pleasures evermore, and they've been enjoying them for ever since they've been created. It's a place of ecstatic joy and delight. And so, listen, they rejoice because they know that what God is doing brings glory to God. And they love that. Christians, you love things that bring glory to God, even if they don't benefit you. Second, they rejoice for what it means for Jesus. They've known Jesus for a long time. (laughs) Jesus is the eternal son with the Holy Spirit and with the father he created all things including these angels understand that Jesus will honor his father by leaving heaven so that he may bring about God's plan of redemption that God had decided before he even created the world that he would do this and so the angels know what is coming but listen these angels have no idea what it's like to walk in darkness like you and me but this baby will know what it's like. God himself will walk into the darkness of this world. And Jesus will know what it's like to be tempted like us, but he will never give in. He will know what it's like to be rejected. He will know what it's like to be surrounded by self-righteous hypocrites. He will know what it's like when friends abandon you in your great need. He will know what it's like to weep at a loved one's death. He will know firsthand injustice, infidelity, Weakness and betrayal. And yes, this baby will even know the pain of death. On the cross, he will know the horror of being judged for someone else's sins. Ours. Think about the amazement those angels must have had. Imagine some of their comments. Why would you do this, Lord? Surely you have someone else who can run this errand for you. Consider the angel Michael. He's the best we got. Send him instead. Lord, it's well below your pay grade to go into the world you created. But going to earth, that, going to earth that's what we angels do. Let one of us go. Son of God, surely you could remain on your throne. There has to be another way. But there is no other way. I like how Martin Luther describes it. He describes the situation and God's remedy. Listen to what he says. Christ has a pure, innocent, and holy birth. Man has an unclean, sinful, condemned birth. As David said in Psalm 51, five: Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Nothing can help, he goes on to write, nothing can help this unholy birth we experience except the pure birth of Christ. For this purpose, Christ willed to be born, that through him we might be born anew. His birth means that there is a new birth for us. And so Luther's application is to be our application. We, we can't look back on the, that first Christmas as only history, right? Nor are we to look at Jesus' birth and life and death as mere examples on how to live our lives. Brother Luther says, see to it, listen, that you make this birth your own and that Christ be born in you. This good news of the angel isn't a history lesson. He said that this news is for all to hear and to receive. Unto you, unto you was born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel said he was born for you. And all the benefits of Christ in heaven, or He will surely give you. But like all presents, you must uh, receive it and open it, kind of like a gift. May I ask you, have you ever done that? Have you ever received Christ, that He may be born in you? If not, let today be that day that you receive Him with joy. And if you have done this, And be reminded that the word the angel brings is good news of great joy for all people. Of all the people on the earth, we Christians should be the most joyful. We have this news. So first, let it register more deeply in your soul this morning. There's no better news. Heaven cannot contain its joy over this news. So let us too overflow with joy and praise for what God has done. Second, let us also be heralds ourselves. For this is good news, what, for all the people. You know, most of our neighbors here in the East End are walking in darkness. They need the light of the gospel. They need this new birth that you and I share. As we come to the Lord's table... Let us, one, praise God for His work in us and through us and for this gospel message. But let us also, can we not pray for one or two people in our sphere of influence, a neighbor, a or friend, or co-worker, whom we can bring this good news to this week? Maybe you can invite them to dinner at the Middlecoff House, the uh, Christmas Eve service. Maybe you can go out to coffee during the week, get a bite to eat. May God use you. There's there's no greater joy, I think, than God using His people, using you to bring this message to other people that they receive with joy. And we do this so that others too may experience the new birth of Christ. And with us sing like the angels what we've read. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. My friends, if you are in Christ, He is pleased with you. Let's pray. Father, we long for the day when our faith will become sight. We will behold you in your glory. Now we have the hard task of living off other people's witnessing of these things. But we do believe in our hearts that we are able to know you to experience your glory, to praise you. May this Advent season here at Grace Church be one in which we are able to set down our smartphones for more than 68 seconds and ponder deeply this good news that you've given us in Christ, that we may herald it to others in our midst, we pray. Amen.